Get that monkey! Welcome to episode 80 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Morning, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. It's a very, very nice and sunny morning over here in Glendale. Uh, we don't have sun. We're about, what, 10 miles from you in Pasadena, and uh, we don't really have much sun yet, but at least we're past, I think, the rainy, the rainy week. You, you were just like a, a glass is half empty kind of guy. The cloud is just specifically hovering over you. <laughs> No, it's not sunny here. It's just it's 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 partly cloudy. I don't know. It's fine for me as long as this is not that that ominous dark rainy sky thing we've had going on for the last week. It's that was cool for like a day or two, then it just gets kind of old. So you know, one thing I want to start out is, is talk about our uh, coffee with Rob Walling. Yeah, sure. Days ago, that was awesome meeting Rob. Wasn't it was it? awesome meeting Rob, but but the one thing I was going to say is. That when Rob listens to our podcast, he he told us over coffee that he double speeds them, <laughs> right? So I just want to say one thing to Rob. Rob, you <laughs> should not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was uh, that was cool uh, meeting him. I, you know, I guess a side effect of the podcast, an interesting side effect, is that we can uh, at some point we might actually get to meet these people we interview in person and Rob being the first one. So one of the things that I want to talk about was the texting donation drive. We're doing a little bit of fundraising, trying to get 500 bucks to upgrade our audio quality. And we've had some fantastic donations. So we actually do have, um, of this show, we have a grand patron and an executive producer and a couple of shout outs. So, okay, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what, does <laughs> what does that this mean? Patron? Did you make that up or is that an Indiegogo classification? Yeah, I made it up, yeah. I like it. a grand patron or a patron yeah. saint. Is a grand, grand patron. Yeah, that's, so, that's, so that's a grand, so that's like someone who basically takes takes the show and is essentially, for that show, they are the grand patron. They are the, the be all and end all of the show. And that was uh, Ben Boiter? Ben Boiter, yeah. Sure. Well, Ben Ben Boiter actually donated... 100 bucks to become grand patron of the show and also donated 10 bucks to do a shout out and one of the things he said in his comments was that um so so by the way ben boiter is officially the grand patron of this show so um one one of the things that um one of the things that he said in his comments was that i i'd mentioned that there was a little bit of static behind my voice a little bit of noise behind my voice he said that he hadn't actually noticed it until i said it but now that I've said it, he can't he can't stop noticing it. So he wanted to give us the money <laughs> to get rid of it. So that's what we'll do. We'll introduce <laughs> like things that people want to get rid of. Like we'll just talk about how crappy our site is, and so people donate just so that we can get it redesigned. Yeah, you know, it's is that how they work on like commercials? It's like they they say, you know, if you don't have our product, see how unhappy you'll be, and if you have it, you'll be happy. You'll be cool. You'll be loved. You'll be younger. <laughs> you'll be better looking. You'll uh, be rich. Oh, you know? definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's a completely. So I think that's going to be our technique: is we point out things that suck that need to be improved, and it'll be such an eyesore or ear sore that people will have to, you know, step up. So, well, Ben, thanks so much. That was awesome. I I was shocked, frankly. I was I was shocked that uh, in, that uh, anyone would donate any significant amount of money. You are more much more optimistic. 
than I was, so I've been proven wrong. Justin, you were right. I was wrong. I admit it. Uh, <laughs> God, you're not going to hear that again. Yeah, that's one time only. No, <laughs> that was awesome. I was, that, was, that was great. That was great. We have uh, one shout out, Taylor Norrish, who donated 10 bucks. Thank you very much, Taylor, the depressed designer. Very cool of you. <laughs> yeah, well, Taylor, I, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the donation drive. Right. Um, and, you know, he said, yeah, you know, he said he was talking about how he likes to support things that he believes in. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, he, he, he's a believer in the donation drive stuff. That's and, interesting. Um, he, 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 he was happy to do it. And that was cool. It's like supporting, a, you know, I, I don't know, a cause or a, maybe a, a band or something. And, uh, yeah, that was cool. So, so executive producer of this, of this week's show or this show is Felix Long who basically uh, stumped up 50 bucks to become the executive producer. There can be actually two executive producers from each show, but this week there just is one executive producer. And that's Felix Long. Thank you hugely for that. That's very, very kind of you. And, um, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that, well, that was the first big donation we got, beyond the $10 donation. That's right. And, and when, when that came in, I was like, this could work. I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, "Wow!" I, I was, I was me in a great mood. Just, I just, you know, it's more than just like, "Hey, we have fifty dollars that we can use to improve the show." Uh, uh, you know, the audio of the show was just the fact that somebody liked our show enough to do that. Yeah, and that was that's even more impressive to me. I was like, I just couldn't believe it. So on that on that sentiment, please do go to texinglive dot com forward slash donate and just. Shove us 10 bucks or maybe shove us a monkey. You know what I mean? A little <laughs> bit of cash, a little bit of dosh. <laughs> All well, right. Well, um, <laughs> you know, along the lines of the donation, so what, what you're trying to do is you're, you're buying a, a mic and some kind of audio equipment to get rid of the hiss? Yeah. Because you have like a $10 or $20 mic. My mic Radio the, Shack? The, yeah, the mic I use is 22 bucks from Radio Shack and it really sucks. Right. Well, then when you get this new mic, you're going to totally overwhelm my voice. It's going to be like no agenda. Um, what's his face? What's it's going to be like Adam Curry and Devorah. Adam Curry is like this deep, you know, booming voice. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason's going to be like, hello, Justin. <laughs> hey, can I say something? <laughs> um, yeah. So after those two, after that improvement, we re- I think the next step is to really improve the, uh, the design of the site. Right, and the reason I think that's important is not just because it, it it irritates me. I mean, it's better than it was before, but you know, I I send these emails to invite people, and I spend a fair amount of time crafting what I think is a fairly succinct, personal uh, email to people to tell them that we'd really, you know, why we would like to have them on the show, why I think it would be a great show, and you know, ask them to just get back to me and let me know what might be a time they could do it. Right, and a fair number of times I get no response at all. Nothing. But Jason, I think that's just because they're probably bored reading your email. Yeah, like he said, well, it sounds to me like you write long-winded emails. No, like, you no, should just no, like no, cu- no, cut it no. down to like three sentences. No, they're like five sentences tops. They're not yeah. long. They're not long. And what I think, it's my hypothesis, is that they take a look at the website, which they've never seen before, and they're just like, I don't know, is this just some guy's random weekend podcast? You know, they don't get in a sense. Well, with 80 curious. episodes. I, that's you know I, I, they may not take that close a look at it, but that times people just take a look at two seconds and they're like eh, you know. I, I, I think, think that's just that's fooled by randomness. I think that's completely. No, I, I think you're wrong. I think people get you know 
they get a sense of things. Sometimes they take a quick look, and if they don't think it's serious and they don't think it's real, they're not going to waste their time. And I'm talking about people who have a lot of the people we try and invite. I mean, they have big followings already, right? I mean, they have a lot of re- blog readers or Twitter followers or whatever. I mean, you know, they already have a lot of attention so they're not going to waste time with some rinky dink podcast that has 50 listeners they they want to they need to understand that you know that it's that that's worth an hour and a half of their time so anyway i think uh an improvement uh, i get a professional design on the site and that would help us get the, get the podcast get the interview guests that i know a lot of our listeners would like like for instance um someone i invited a few days ago maybe four or five days ago was ryan Dahl, the uh the inventor of um node.js right Right, and uh, as so happens, J- um, Jacob Chapel, one of our uh, listeners who had been who just commented yesterday, saying, "Oh, you know what you guys should do? You should you should invite Ryan Dahl from Node.js." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I did." Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, he hasn't returned my email. Right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just slow to respond, and maybe I'll hear from him in the next couple of days. But um, well, why don't we just use the Tech Zing Army to just like everyone email this guy? I was thinking about that. I was telling Sandy, Sandy's like, well, you don't want to piss him off. Yeah, it's true. That's, that could probably piss him off. What we could do, though, is if any, anyone on the sh- any of our listeners are, would be particularly interested in a Node.js uh, interview show, um, go to go find him. I'm not going to give out his email. Go find him on the web. It's not hard. Um, and uh, send him a, a, a nice email just requesting that you'd to, to have him come on our show that you know you'd love to listen to him. You think a lot of other people would. And maybe he gets a handful of those. He'll uh, take it a little more seriously. Well, you know, because one thing, it's, 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 uh, you know, I just think that, you know, you get one email and sometimes it's easy to just kind of read it and think about it and then it just sits there rotting in your inbox. Mm-hmm. And if you get a couple of reminders and then it can help. But if it's the same person, you might just get irritated. Like if I send other emails or you can be on the show, he might be like, who is this guy? You know, but if he gets a, an email from someone else, he might think again about it. So I've had with Plugio another twitter debacle okay and um <clears throat> but before i get into that bam's left a, a very very amusing comment on the uh <laughs> on the i love that i meant to write a follow-up to it that was great i was cracking up all right go on then well you, you tell the comment then so just it i mean so um bam's he left two comments and this, <laughs> and this first comment was he said he was thinking about why he likes the show i guess he was listening to the show out um, on his iPod or iPhone or something. And he said, you know, I listen, one of the reasons he likes it is that we disagree on stuff. That right. We argue, right? We, and uh, Which was funny. And I was just happy to hear from him because he hadn't commented in a couple shows. So it was good to hear from him. And then, uh, then he said, oh, and by the way, Justin, if you complain one more time about how you can't be successful with Plugio, I'm going to come over there and shave your face. <laughs> 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 and I, mean, I was just, I love that. I was like, you know what? I'll help you. I'll hold him down. <laughs> it's like the whining. Oh, I can't turn a thousand dollars into two thousand dollars. Nobody wants plug you. It's too competitive space. <laughs> like, give me a break. I mean, don't do anything. It's like, it's like someone who sits home and never calls anyone, or goes out and, and, and is complaining that no one ever asks, calls them to go out and do anything. No one ever calls me to do anything. I have no friends. It's like, well, do you go out and do anything? Do you ever contact anybody yourself? No. I do stuff. Look, I do more stuff than you. I'm and in just fact, what are you In fact, about? I think a few, a few of our listeners have mentioned like how lame you've been at releasing stuff. I've released okay. two I've released like three things now. Okay, okay. We could we could get out of that 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 and that there's a lot of truth to that. But let's just focus <laughs> on plugging over right now. <laughs> okay. You're just trying to deflect. 
Well, actually, one of the one of the nice one of the things that uh, just just going on what Bams had said there about um, that Jason and me should should disagree. Like, oh, he misses the days when we really disagreed. We were actually talking about that, um, Jason, myself, and I. I said to Jason, you know, maybe we should disagree more. I think it would be better for the show. And Jason's response was, no, that would be lame. Nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even meta agree, but you know it's funny when we were having. Um, so when we met with Rob and we were, we were uh, Rob Walling the mm-hmm. other day, and uh, I think it was funny about that. We met for like an hour and a half, and it felt like twenty minutes. Right. It was like, but uh, it, it was like, sounded like a podcast. Like to be honest, there should have been a recorder there. I just felt we like did. we lost good content. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere with you for ever again without it being recorded <laughs> live because it's just so much content just got thrown out the, the door and and rob is uh he's a really smart funny guy knows a lot and uh he's uh, that's why he's gonna be good on our show but um so he was fun to talk to and i you know as you and i were picking his brain about a lot of stuff he was like a he's a fountain of knowledge so um okay so the one thing i wanted to say was that uh so in his podcast starts for the rest of us they had tried to do they've been experimenting with the discussion format as opposed to just their hit the format that they follow is more long or had followed up until recently was up until they met us up until they were basically inspired by our format (laughs) (laughs) they were inspired about how we we were inspired by no agenda and stack overflow right yeah right yeah it's okay I mean, ours is sort of, our show is kind of a merging of uh, Stack Overflow, uh, Mixer G, Web 2.0 show, No Agenda, I don't know, probably a few others. Anyway, get to the point, because I want to talk about Plugio next. All right, all right. The point is that they, tr- in, and when they tried to flip over and do a little bit of a discussion format, the pro- they, they said it wasn't working as well, and the problem is they agreed too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, just, they just were on the same page on most things. They're both, you know you know nice guys and they're just kind of agreeing and the problem is that doesn't always make the best radio and you can't force a disagreement it just sounds stupid you just kind of either don't see the world in the same way or you do and we kind of just don't a lot of the times rob i apologize for jason insulting your podcast and now we're going to move on i'm not insulting it i said that's what he said was that that's what they're struggling with they said people do like it they like they also like his um the format that they did follow so they're kind of trying to decide do they want to do more of a discussion or do more of the like educational we're going to tell you how to do x y and z in this show yeah and they're just playing with but i just said that the one that i think they're struggling with is a lack of disagreement which is something you and i arrived at our own well i think that um i'd suggested um that maybe they should do what we do which is switch it up do one no, show that was my suggestion was it that was my. Don't steal my ideas. Okay. I said, why don't you just do it? Because he said, well, which one should we do? And I said, we'll do both. And he's like, huh, it's a good idea. I'm totally ready to move on from this now. All right, let's go. All right. Fine. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, Twitter, in their um, esteemed enlightenment, decided that what they wanted to do was because uh, Rackspace, basically, everyone who's on Rackspace shared hosting, or everyone on Rackspace cloud, Rackspace sites comes in through one IP address. So I guess we're talking, I don't know, 50,000 sites kind of thing. Wow, 50,000 sites? Are you just making that up? I'm just making that up, but I mean... So it could be 5,000 sites for all you know. Well, it could be 5,000, but it's pretty unlikely. It's Rackspace's core product, and they have a huge marketing campaign, and they're one of the biggest hosts on the planet. So okay. I'd say they probably have, you know, 50,000. So anyway... <laughs> so oh, with, thing- that, with, that, with that in mind, before I interrupt you one last time, we should invite Jason Cohen on because he has some new high-end WordPress hosting right. startup he's working on. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think they might be on Rackspace. They're doing it. But anyway, we should get him on. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, so um, so what Twitter decide is that having that many people coming uh, accessing the API from one IP is not a good idea. Then they're, they're just not going to keep that open anymore. So without warning, that essentially is turned off. So think about this: how many businesses there must be that on on that system hooking into Twitter, right? I mean, it must be a couple of hundred. Yeah. So you think that Twitter could just like. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to send an email to just look through the logs and, you know, find the people who, who are coming in through that IP. Anyway, so they cut it off, and um, I've had to move Plugio completely off the Rackspace shared site system onto, uh, I guess now I really am in the cloud. I've got my own VPS virtual uh, server, and Plugio's on that with its own IP address now. How much does that cost a month? Well, it basically... <laughs> It kind of scales, you know, they charge by the hour. They like charge 0.0015 cents if, if it's like a smaller machine and then it goes up to three cents. Uh, okay. So basically it depends on it depends on the size of the machine. I think the one that I've got is going to work out to around about 40 bucks a month. So I'm going to save, I'm going to save like 60, 70 or 80 bucks, something like that. That's if I can good. get it up and running. But the issue is, is that when, when you work with these, um, these servers that, Essentially, you get like the, an image of a server. It's a, mm-hmm. It is an absolutely bare <clears throat> minimum install of, of the machine, and you've got to set it up. And you either install a control panel software, right, which can deal with all of the stuff like the Apache configuration. Cloxo and stuff like Hyper-VM. Yeah, yeah like- exactly, yeah. Or um, cPanel, that kind of stuff, right? cPanel but, doesn't work on that, I don't think. I think it's more for shared. It's not for VPSs. Okay. Well, but usually for these these control panels, you've got to pay like another thirty buck a month kind of thing. And also, you know, Rackspace don't have that integrated; they don't make that easy. So, but also when you talk to their engineers, they're like, "Control panel? Oh, that's for that's for puny wimps. <laughs> you should be right. in there configuring this at the command line." <laughs> yeah, you should have all of these commands memorized. <laughs> yeah. So well, basically, that's my whole problem. oh, well, go on, go on. Well, they they have a really great help section. Basically, for every single image they have, like they have CentOS, they have Fedora, they have Ubuntu, and for every one of those sections, they have a huge uh, knowledge base where you can literally go through. You can go into CentOS, and it'll tell you how to configure Apache, how to configure uh, SendMail, how to configure all of the different things. So they kind of set it up for you, and they give you the, the commands to type, and you can just... it. But it just, like, takes, you know, three or four hours to get it up and running, and then you have to do other stuff, like put in a firewall and all this kind of stuff. So four hours of decent uh, admin. Although what I've decided to do is I've decided to just go on Elance and find a sysadmin to just work with me. Um, so, you know, the odd hour here and there. Because, for example, I, I really don't feel like configuring Postfix, you know, email system. Things yeah, like that. That's just a, a real pain. Yeah, it's a real pain. Yeah. But um, so that's that's been my my. Uh, well, I mean, so what's your you know so that uh, what we want to do is we want to prevent Bams coming down to LA to shave your face. So right. what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to grow your? You, you know, how many signups did you have last time we talked? Okay, um, without getting into it too much, what I'm gonna do to grow Plugio is I'm gonna keep it on that server. And I'm going to keep it up. And uh, so you're going to do nothing. No, I'm going. Th- I think nothing. that's pretty. That's pretty good so far. What I've done right there. Hey, all right. Well, we'll check in next week and see. But I've got I've got a new secret project anyway, which I'm very excited about. You going to talk about it? No. So it's just going to be a secret project. It's a secret project. Yeah. All right. All right. For the moment. Uh, 
Okay. So um, we got feedback from uh, from Vladimir who says that uh, he really <laughs> likes your picture. He thought he thought it really connected. It helped him connect. Your, Which episode uh, was that? That was just uh, I, I think it was a 360 degree resume. I think it was he just commented this morning. I just saw it in my inbox and I read it and he said well, that, well, you didn't read the best part about the email. Oh, did I? What was it? I'm not looking at it. I just remember this morning. What the he one say? where he says, um, he said, so far I imagine Justin as an older guy in a cardigan sweater sitting by like by a fireplace through the winter writing uh, by his keyboard, writing his blog posts and tweets. <laughs> so then he went to see, uh, he went to have a, a check of my website and he went to justinvincent.com. You can also go to justinvincent.com forward slash music. And there it's got a picture of me and my band and there's a picture of me kind of screaming and there's like, uh, I guess, five songs that Moneypenny did in the video. So he's like, and when I saw Moneypenny, uh, when I saw the Moneypenny video of Bruce Willis with all the girls and the t-shirts, man, you rock. <laughs> Justin rocks. Like. And then he's like, Jason, let us see your photo. So far, Justin is leading in coolness. <laughs> yeah, well, you took my advice. You did, right. you did, which I appreciate. Well, see, the funny thing is, is I, as I was making fun of your photo, but by the time everyone went and looked at your the, your site, you had already updated it twice. Right, right. So they got rid of that couple of terrible photos you had. Yeah, in the you last... continually made fun of my photo, so I had to continue updating. It was hilarious. It. it was terrible. It was just like depressingly bad. <laughs> and I had <laughs> to get my wife to take it to it take a picture awful. in the end. Well, that was fine. You know, I mean, yeah. So, so what you have to do in return? You have to like do the dishes or something for her. To... <laughs> What well, was I can't your remember? Take her out the, for dinner. That's the usual. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, you have a you have a good smile. Uh, you know, it's 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 good. You're, you know, the only, the only thing is you're leaning forward a little bit, which looks a little awkward. But I mean, I think compared to most blog post photos, it's good. I think it's, it clears the bar. <laughs> no. So I I so um, I had Sandy try and take a few photos of me, but they t- came out terrible. I don't know. Part of it was the lighting. Part of it. Um, part of it was your face. Probably just my face. <laughs> I was like, that sucks not put that up there. So I am trying, but I'm not putting up that crap photo. Well, that was like when, when I put my first photo, your wife said over your shoulder, she said, I think the thing, the problem with that photo is there's a little too much face and a little too much cheek, a little too much chin. chin. And I was like, that, that actually is my face. <laughs> a little yes. too much cheek. I just have too much face. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the way you had done it is that you had done something with the picture, so it was just because the, because the camera was so close to your face, it comes out distorted. Right. Yeah, and uh, that's not the photo that's up there anymore. The, the photo okay. you had before was that. But uh, yeah, so I'm working on it. I'm trying to come up with a photo that doesn't look like a train wreck. Um, but I'm I'm working on. It. Oh, and I wrote my first blog post. It's it's still in draft form, but I actually wrote a blog post. Dude, we are like 27 minutes in, and we haven't said anything about tech. Okay, we'll get Does that it. suck? It, it's taken an, it's like no it's like no agenda. They spend like an hour talking about nothing. The, well the one thing about no agenda, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't actually care what they talk about. I just enjoy listening to them. The energy of those two guys talking, it just I like it. I like listening to them, I like what they have to say. They're essentially kind of uh, wisecracks to each other, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, this last episode I was listening to, uh, you know, last night at the uh, gym, with, I guess there's been a bunch of UFO sightings over um, Arizona and New York and for the plate, Richmond, Virginia. Right. And Adam Curry had a bunch of recordings of it, and he was just making fun of how all of the um, broadcasters are just making a joke out of it. Like, no one's investigating it, but they, one thing they know for sure is they're not, like, alien spacecraft. They know that for sure. 
<laughs> there's no way of proving that but that's one thing we know for sure and it was it's a funny show i was listening i said you know what i was going to suggest you you should you should forward them a link to our interview with richard dolan's forward that to um adam curry He'll, i already like, did i already did oh you did okay yeah see but he would enjoy that i think mm-hmm. um because he was he was really upset that uh dvorak is a non-believer he's a crank he's a cranky non-believer <laughs> so um, dude i would like to get Adam Curry and John Dvorak on for our 100th episode. If you could do that, that would be a coup of all coups. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? That would be massive if you could do that. That would be great. Let's have no agenda takeover texting. Yeah, it would be a no agenda invasion. <laughs> <laughs> Media assassination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. That would be good. Well, I've had a number of people who I've just mentioned no agenda to email me back or, or tell me, say, dude, I'm a total no agenda addict now. Yeah. Like my buddy Phil, this because guy, they heard it through our, our show, right? Right. Well, you know, and I'm not even a huge listener like you are. Like I listen to me once or once in a while. And Ernani, who's this guy, was on the PHP pod classes, uh, PHP classes podcast. Yeah. He he was he's kind of a co-host there with um, Manuel, and he's he pinged me on uh, Google Talk or Google Chat or whatever, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm addicted now. <laughs> it's my new religion." I'm like, really? She talked to Justin. He, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. So, so what's um, your blog post? My blog post is entitled "Forget the TechCrunch Launch." Did you and post it? It, no, because I, 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 I wrote it really quickly yesterday in the middle of doing work. And, you know, I'd always meant, my, my sort of plan at first was to write a post a day and write them really short, but I've clearly, that's not my style. I can't write like, as is probably obvious by this podcast. I think so. So I'm a little bit of a longer form writer. And so I wrote it just stream of consciousness really quickly. Um, and of course, then Sandy walks in, she's like, I thought you were going to write really short ones, like implying that I should have been working. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, I wrote something. <laughs> and she's like, fine. And she left. So then I, felt, then I felt too guilty to spend any more time on it. So I forwarded it to you. And I was like, oh, what do you think? And um, that was it. So I think this, um, today I'll spend more time, clean it up, put some links in, um, edit a little bit, and put it up there. But uh, that was my first go. Finally, Jason's first real blog post. Codesoperandi.com. Oh, CodusOperandi.com. That's right. Um, so that's the first. And uh, yeah. so, how, do you have any um, topics today? Actual, actual topics, like real yeah. live topics. Um, yeah. So one thing I've been uh, I, I've been uh, I was researching yesterday was about PHP or password security. Oh yeah. And you know because you know most of us we started out um storing passwords in clear text <laughs> you know right. the first thing you do is you know because when you read your tutorials and you're like oh you know you get the database the username and the user id and your password and you pick in the database and you check it and you're like okay and then and you just don't really think about it and then it was like you know a couple of years ago a few years ago all of a sudden people are like oh my god these morons are storing their passwords in clear text you're like that's a problem <laughs> so then it moved to what M- the md5 hash yeah, and then it goes to like the MD5. Well, you need to be hashing your password before you stick it in. So you run it through an MD5 one-way hash, which turns it into a long string of you know hexadecimal characters, and you store that in. And so then you, so whenever someone logs in, it sends their password through over the wire. The server hashes it, compares against the hash in the database. So the only thing stored in the database is the hash, mm-hmm. right? So if anyone steals the database. They just have a bunch of hashes. But that, as it turns out, that that's not very sophisticated for one thing. First of all, the MD5 algorithm is really fast. It's mm. super fast so that you can do a brute force search on like trying lots of passwords, hashing them and testing them against passwords in database. Well, so there's also um, 
Well, I'm also, oh, you, the rainbow tables, is it? The rainbow tables, right? So there's, there's the MD5 hash and SH1. and So you really want to use the bcrypt, which is, I guess, based on the Blowfish mm-hmm. um, encryption protocol, which is really slow, which is what you want for the one-way encryption. Because um, if someone's trying to brute force attack, if it takes them too long to test to hash a password, it just, just makes it really difficult to do that. And the second is the rainbow. So... If you store, if you just store a bunch of hashes, uh, hashed passwords in your in your um, database, and then what what uh, the way this rainbow tables attack works is they is they go and, and generate like every combination of passwords up to like ten or twelve characters or fourteen character passwords, right? And it's like it turns out being like you could fit it all in one CD or DVD or something, right? Mm-hmm. And and you could load you could practically load most of it in RAM. And or a good portion of it and ram it in a given time, and then you just do a select star from users where password equals, um, and you just you know this particular one of the hashes, and you keep doing that over and over again. So as long as and so you try do all the most likely passwords first, and you start getting password after password after password and a rainbow hash. That mm-hmm. rainbow table attack, right? That's does, yeah. am I describing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Basically, so so to 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 kind of uh, clarify that. To speak of the Queen's English, to speak, to, yeah. To These guys, what they've done is well, it isn't. They've basically, M, they've done an MD5 hash on every possible word, um, up to an, a certain number of characters, and then they're just doing a lookup on the MD5 hash to find out what the plain text of it is. The, on, on the MD5 table, and the, yeah, they did hash the MD5 table. Yeah, uh, are the. They do a lookup of a table. <laughs> they do a lookup on the MD5 hash, hash, hash. right? <laughs> so they've got one column that's MD5 hashes and one column that's plain text. They do a query against the MD5 hash column and basically they shove in an MD5 hash and if it matches, then they can see what the actual password is. <clears throat> and since most people use pretty typical passwords, they, we can pretty re- easily get 30 or 40% of the passwords in any given database. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, there's quite a few sites uh, where they're they're just very simple sites like Google with just one box in the middle, and uh, it's like an M- it's a, an MD5 rainbow, and you just enter an MD5 and see whether it comes back with um, any clear text. So that's one way you can tell whether your password is good or not if uh, mm-hmm. if it comes back from that. Well, there was a um, I found a a, a, a JavaScript um, password. Strength tester from mm-hmm. like Geek Wisdom. I'll put a link to it on the in the show notes. But yeah, you can you know it's like weak or strong or very strong or whatever, depending on whether it's like at numbers and letters and uppercase and lowercase and non alphanumeric characters and things like that. Um, so with, okay, so what's interesting though is so to to protect against rainbow the rainbow table attack, mm-hmm. what you do is you is you salt the hash so that you you generate a random, uh, you know, say 16-bit number or string of characters, and you combine that with a password, and then you hash that. And that way, you can't, you, you cannot predict beforehand a bunch of, of um, what was the pre-hashed um, uh, password because it's been combined with some other random value first. And there's another thing called stretching, where they hash and rehash and rehash the same, um, you know, uh, password and salt over and over again. That's called stretching. That makes it even huh. more secure. Well, anyway, as it turns out, there's um, there's something called the portable PHP pa- uh, password hashing framework that called PHP Pass, which is um, it's basically just a class that has like you know five or six methods, and um, it does all of this stuff. Right. So why were you looking into this password stuff? Because you know, the because the the stuff that I was generating, I hadn't done anything with hashing the passwords yet. I mean, I had kind of kicked that to the curb. Sorry, I'll deal with that. But I'm like, you know, I need to make sure I 
I have Red Secure hashed. Oh, for App Ignite. Right, yeah, for App Ignite. Then I'm doing it the right way, right? I mean, unless you say, oh, you generated that for me, but you left my security wide open. Thanks a lot. <laughs> right? So then, yeah, so then the right pa- the path for, uh, well, have, have you planned out what you're going to do in terms of if someone loses their password? What's your, what's your journey going to be? Yeah, um, so I've written code like that before, and I just got to write a generator to generate that, that code the right way. But essentially, um, you know, the whole you forgot your password, give us your email address, and then we'll email it. Then you click, you know, you kind of go that back and forth. So they, they basically, it, they can generate a new password kind of thing. Yeah, and you, what you don't want to do is have people is emailing the password in clear text via, via you know, you know, where you don't, you don't say here's your here's your password and email or your address. I mean, or here's your username and password. That's what you don't want to do. I mean, something else that I've seen a few places do is um, when they when they email you out that password reset link, and then you click that link, you come to a page where you then have to t- type in some, another piece of information, like for example your email address, mm-hmm. um, because if you don't you know, because someone may have just randomly stumbled onto that link one way or another, and you kind of need to prove that it's actually you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what I was going to do is I'm going to take a look at my code, and then I was probably going to go take a look at four or five other bigger sites, like how does Twitter or how does Gmail or how do these other sites deal with the fact you forgot your password? Like, what's their process? Because they probably thought it See, out this, pretty this well. See, this is an interesting thing, because when, when you're going to have people building stuff with App Ignite, and they're making all these different applications, people will want different flows... So some, some people will say, oh, God, I don't want that complicated flow where someone's got to type in their email address. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you're going to have to, with App Ignite, essentially build it so that it can work in about 20 different ways for the, for the whole Actually, process. Actually, you know, see, see what's really interesting, the way App Ignite works about this, because that's exactly right. You know, because some people are going to want, I want to be able to log in with Twitter. I want to be able to ask them to log in with Facebook, or I want to do both, or I want open, open auth. Right, yeah. open ID, or I don't want open ID, or I only want open ID. You know, so you, you, all those are options, right? And I want when they forget a password, it's this or that. Or when I when they do a password, I want a password confirm. Or I think that's stupid. I don't want to have to confirm password because that that makes people not want to do it, right? So, or I want to auto generate a password. But you say, oh well, that's a just a combinatorial explosion of possibilities. Well, the reality is, is use, most of those are like a yes, no, or one of three or four options, and you can generate code to do it. And it's so, and, and that's the way it works throughout App Ignite. There are tons of, of, of different ways of doing things. If, if you look at all the different possible applications that can be built by making one of three or four selections at any given point, it's amazing. But mm. really, at any given point, it's just one of a few different ways of doing it. And that make any sense in, in 95 or 99% of the cases. And you can easily do that. And it's like, well, I generate a couple of lines of code if they want it this way, or I generate a few lines of code if they want to do it that way. But that gives them all the options they want. So, I mean, right now, the what I just generated, I did like sort of a minimum uh, viable feature approach, which is just like a standard login without any of the Twitter, Facebook, open ID, forget your password, any of that stuff yet. But now mm-hmm. I'm going to do that next is, is really fill that out a little bit because I know that's, that's probably something people are going to care quite a bit about. But even before I even do that, I think I'll probably release the product before I put, create all those options. But what I will do no matter what is um, make it so that the uh, passwords are hashed. <laughs> very securely and in the right way. I don't want I don't want anyone feeling like they generated an application App Ignite even early on that is just not secure. You know, because I, I already spent some time using the um uh the P- PDO prepared statements so there can be no SQL injection and doing things like that. So and on that on on that topic, um <laughs> I invited a guest who I think I'm hoping he didn't get back to me, a guy named Thomas I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but it's like 
Tasek, Patesek or something. Mm-hmm. Um, P-T-A-C-E-K. And it's really interesting. Guy, he's over at uh, Matasano Security, which specializes in this. And, and, and um, I think companies hire Matasano, Matasano to figure out where their vulnerabilities are and to help them fix up. They review their code. They do do kind of like testing, internal and external testing, denial of service, uh, you know, spoofing, phishing, everything. And then they help them. That's what they do, right? And I'm like, that would be awesome to get them on because that's something that people don't talk so much about. Mm-hmm. And we, we probably all make mistakes and when we don't lock things down the right way. And as we all know, it can end in disaster. <laughs> I've seen it happen for a number of companies. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happened is I was reading about this, this PHP uh, security, or password security, and I was looking at the PHP pass thing. And I was like, and then I stumbled upon uh, Montesano. I think three Jeff Atwood had written a blog about mm-hmm. this stuff and had referenced this guy and uh, referenced uh, this company. And I was like, yeah, how can I find these guys on? And then I flipped back and I was like, all right. Then I, then I lost focus. And I started um, reading Hacker News, <laughs> as I tend to do throughout the day. And there was this, there was this uh, part uh, about, there was this thread about this guy who had spent a lot of time building his startup and he, he tried to get a TechCrunch launch and it failed. He got no attention from TechCrunch and now he's all depressed. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this fantastic comment from this guy who basically just said, "Look, you know, don't worry about TechCrunch, Balsamic, Fog Creek, you know, uh, all these. I mean, he just went to a whole list a whole bunch of great companies. They never had TechCrunch launches. I mean, when did they launch? They didn't have a big launch. They they just kept working on stuff and built something up. Don't worry about it, you know. And that's where I got the idea for my blog post. Did you put that? Uh, are you going to put that quote in your blog? Which yeah, yeah, is yeah, basically oh, yeah. spend time being crappy before you worry about TechCrunch." Yeah, well, where did you get that quote? Did you just make that up? Oh, you. No, I say, be, oh, don't worry, be crappy, you mean? Yeah, you made it up in a conversation no, no, we no, had no, yesterday. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, what was the, no, that wasn't the exact quote. What was the quote we had? What was it? Well, it was, don't worry, be crappy is Guy Kawasaki. Oh, uh, no, well, there was one that you said something, something along the lines of, um, you know, why the hell are people thinking about even going on TechCrunch? They, they need to spend time being crappy. You know, they need to need to get through their pain, spend time being crappy, and then uh, make their product better. But you said yeah, it in a better, better and a funnier way than that. I don't remember. Well, so anyway, this guy, there was a great thread. There was a really interesting thread, and there was this great, um, like, paragraph sort of comment on the topic, which, which got a lot of points up. And, there was a, and then the one response to that was from Patrick McKenzie, who's like, yeah, a thousand times yes, that's absolutely right. You know, and he, and he goes on and sort of adds to it. And I'm like, who is this guy? That's a great comment. It's a really interesting point. And so I click on the guy, and he has like 45,000 karma points on Hacker News. I'm like, geez, who is this guy? Turns out it's the same guy at Montesano, <laughs> who I was thinking we should invite. So I sent him an email. So hopefully he'll come on. It's now, like- Montesano is dangerously close to Monsanto, and that's an evil company. Yeah, right. The uh, Montesano is the, uh, is the um, they do like, um, gene- uh, not, not um, what is it? It's like, like chemical. I do a lot of stuff. I know there's a lot of problems with them and like between farmers and stuff, and they're like g- g- genetically engineered seed and stuff. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so basically, I mean, talking about Monsanto, right? Yeah. So what Monsanto. they do, Monsanto. So what, so what they do is they, they do, they genetically engineer seeds, they patent the seeds, they make the seeds yeah. so that they die after one use, so that you can't basically, uh, so that the plants that the seeds create can't create new seeds, so that the farmers. And and then if the farmers are found to be using those seeds, Monsanto would then take them to court and sue them 
Well, so basically, if the farmers grow a crop and then take seeds from that crop and reuse them rather than actually buying new seeds from Monsanto, they will get sued. Yeah, they're like the, um, it's like DRM for seed. Yeah. They're like the recording industry. But the sad thing is, is that they, it's not just, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking probably a lot of our listeners already know about this, but if you don't, the sad thing is, this isn't a small issue. Um, Monsanto have it covered. I mean, they have like 90% of the farmers in the States locked in um, through this strategy. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, it's kind of scary because if you get all these seeds and they can't reproduce, and then what happens to the nat- the, the seeds that could reproduce, who might be the, the more natural seeds? I mean, do those just get kind of, like disappear? Well, what about the cross pollination, right? So you've got you've got GMO stuff on a field next to non GMO stuff, and then you get cross pollination, yeah. and then all of a sudden that that gene pool ends up in the natural gene pool, right? Which sucks. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about this topic, but I've read a lot. You know, it's like if you said listed like the top 10 most evil companies, the right. companies that do just evil. I mean, um, Montesan- uh, Monsanto. 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 Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You could probably argue uh, Blackwater, which is now known as Z, the mercenary right. firm. Gold, uh, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. Goldman Sachs nowadays. <laughs> also, known as gov- also known as government Sachs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so many of that, so many ex Goldman Sachs guys go and run the Treasury and the Fed, and then go back into Goldman Sachs. And... So I've been developing for uh, for my day job uh, for myvibo.com. I've been developing Firefox extensions. Cool. And um, that's uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, but mainly, what the the big problem, the big difficulty that I've had is um, essentially. What we're trying to do is to insert something into the web page, mm-hmm. right? And so basically, if, if you're on a website, you want to insert something into the web page, and then the user interacts with that thing that was inserted by the extension, and then it talks to the extension. Kind of complicated getting data backwards and forwards between um, the, a web page and the Firefox extension. Well, what's the gist? I mean, how do you create a Firefox extension? Um, well, it's essentially a Firefox extension is, is essentially a bunch of text files. Okay. which are zipped up, and they have a, um, a suffix of XPI. But, during, but once, once they're actually installed, they're essentially unzipped. So you go, into your, um, you go into your Firefox profile, into the extensions folder, and then there's a bunch of folders in there, and then each folder contains all of the text files that uh, are used to make the Firefox extension. They use this language called uh, XUL, Zool. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the kind of the main descriptive language that actually lays out the whole of Firefox. So with with Zool, you can pretty much create any th- you know any of the Firefox components you can add. You can add you know buttons that are essentially there'll be buttons that come from the system Chrome, right? So you can just completely add new dialog boxes and do whatever the hell you want. That's kind of cool. Now, how is have, have you done the same thing for Chrome? Because Chrome you can create extensions for too, right? Yeah, so I think that Chrome, WebKit, and um, Firefox, the extensions are pretty similar. We're just working on Firefox right now. Um, the extensions aren't exactly the same for all of them, but they're, they're pretty similar format. IE is the one that's very different. Um, if you want to do an extension yeah, for IE, it's, <laughs> it's a shock. <laughs> it's wow, just wow. So, you mean, you're doing, let, me, let me tell you something. Let me ask a question. So, is IE is the one that's a pain in the ass, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> know how to respond to that. Huh. So, now, you've been working on this for, like, what, just last week or so? No, a couple of weeks. Have you, re- have you work, um, written a bookmarklet? Yeah. 
those are look pretty cool. I mean, actually, I read a I read a little tutorial on it a few weeks ago. I mean, it's just like I mean, it's really easy. It looks like um, that would be fun and useful to be able to create bookmark lists. Yeah, it's just basically. I mean, it, it's just JavaScript, right? Yeah, it's just JavaScript. But when how, how does it invoke? It's because you you're essentially clicking on the bookmarklet, and then it says JavaScript colon, and then everything after it is JavaScript that then instantly gets executed. And I think what you do is you probably load in some more JavaScript because you, they, I think a bookmarklet can only have, has a minimum or maximum length of not very long, like maybe a thousand characters or something like that you know when and so with a limitation how much length what you do do is like you you do a write somehow are you i can't remember how it does i can't remember the trick but you can include other javascript files can you you can you can include it from external servers yep oh well no i don't know about your own service whatever the thing's calling back to but but bookmarklets i mean basically there is no such thing as your own service with a bookmarklet because a bookmarklet is in someone's bookmark bar it's not on a server or anything like that. So if it was to include external JavaScript, it would it would essentially have to make an, a call to some kind of server somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah, it calls back to yeah to your server, right? And then it can pull in more JavaScript, and then you can do whatever you want. I, like I said, I, I I read this like three weeks ago, so it's a little oh, okay. and I didn't actually build anything with it. I noticed if I don't build something, I, I don't own the knowledge, you know. Okay. I just sort of I'm vaguely familiar with it, and uh, that's what I want to do is like uh, I want to. That's one of the things I want to play around with is, is write a bookmarklet. It sounds like it'd be kind of a fun afternoon project. Yeah, no, they're they're cool. They're cool. There's um there's this thing called Grease Monkey with um uh with Firefox. So basically, you can install a Grease Monkey, and then um you can use JavaScript to modify different pages that you're on. So basically, with with Grease Monkey, you can have uh well, obviously the the community have created a whole bunch of scripts which you can install into Grease Monkey, but they're just JavaScripts. So for example, let's say you don't like the way Twitter, you know, Twitter.com works and you want to you want the text to be bigger and you want there to be twice as many messages and you want some other different Ajax stuff happening. Uh, people write Grease Monkey scripts to essentially enhance Twitter. You know, and I'm kind of disappointed, Justin. You what? don't say monkey uh, the, like the way I think I expected an English guy to say monkey. I, I've seen some what? movies where they say monkey, monkey. <laughs> and I was expecting so I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. Grease monkey. Then you say like an American, it's like boring. Like oh. Well say it say that, it like an English say it with the English accent. Monkey. No. I the one thing the, the line that pops in my mind was from this movie Speed Racer, which is like um like a movie that my kids have watched a million times on DVD. Right. One thing you know is when you have kids, they watch the same damn movies over and over again, like Monsters Inc. and Little Mermaid and stuff. And you'll just right. mem- literally memorize them. I've memorized Monsters versus Aliens and a beep. I guess you're talking about like a like a monkey kind of monkey. thing. Like a- yeah, and it was like in, <laughs> in Speed Racer. You know, they have like a little monkey is his uh, the kid's friend. I forget his name. <laughs> and he's like, in the, in like they, they were like in a fight with the bad guys, and the bad guys like, get that monkey. <laughs> I was expecting that, that is what's going at the beginning of the show. <laughs> All right, get that monkey. <laughs> this should be the title of the okay, show. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, can, can we stop talking about monkeys yeah, now, please? I'm over the monkey it's, thing. It's getting embarrassing. Okay, move on. Um, so yeah, so you're doing okay. So I think I'm over the whole uh, bookmarklet extension thing. Although right. I like the way my favorite bookmarklet is the one that I use to um, for Instapaper when I just hit mm-hmm. read later. And the other one, of course, is for print friendly. You like that? You like that, Taylor? I gave you a little shout out there for free. 
Print friendly, everybody. Printfriendly.com. That's right. I'm trying to, My I'm favorite trying to book make our depressed designer just a little less depressed. Mm. He's so depressed. Every time I talk to him on the phone, he's like, hello, Justin. Was it depressed what? or is he just boring? What's going on? He's like, Mar- he's like Marvin from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's just bringing you down. <laughs> you, know, you know Marvin from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the robot? Yeah, uh-huh. He's so depressed. Yeah, it's a depressed robot. Life's really bad. Yeah, it's kind of like what he's talking to. Talking to Taylor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, enough fragging on the depressed t- the designer. Otherwise gonna... Okay, so um, one thing that I've been meaning to bring up for a few shows is a website called the startuptoolkit.com. And basically, it is a quick place to write down what really matters about your startup for founders in search of a business model. So basically, you can visually document your evolving business hypothesis. Okay. The startuptoolkit.com. Check it out. Is that it? That's all I've got to say that's about just, it. That's, sort of, that's, that's a check it out topic. Yeah, check it out. That's boring. Um, all right, well, you say something right. better then. <laughs> all right. Well, I, okay, I got a couple things. One is um, I read this interesting article called How to, push pa- How to Push Past the Pain as the Champions Do. Right. And uh, one thing that was interesting about it, first, it was, it, was on, it was a New York Times article, which I think was like an AP article, and the New York Times reprinted it. But you can't. You know, after after like twelve hours or twenty four hours, you can't read uh, things of New York Times, you know, because they oh, yeah. paywall. So, but if you just type in the title of it, it's like it was like I found it in like the Gainesville Press or something, you know. So it, that's just a good. That's just a general. Uh, maybe most people have already figured this out, but if there's a if there's a title of a story and it's New York Times story and you can't get to it any longer, it's quite likely it was AP story or Reuters or something. In which case, there'll be, it'll be in lots of other like smaller papers and won't be behind a paywall. Paywall. Anyway, so they were talking about like you know, okay, so what's what separates the champions from everyone else? I mean, why are they so successful and what allows them to just push so far? And there's a couple interesting quotes from him. One he says. Um, Mental tenacity and the ability to manage and even thrive on and push p- through the pain is a key segregator between the mortals and immortals in running. Um, and then it was like a scientist, like a, I think it was a, somebody specializes in studying this. Hmm. And he says, and they were talking about one of the runners. He goes, I was given a body that could train every single day, Tom said, and a mind, a menta- and, a mind and, men- and a mentality that believed that if I trained every day, and I could train every day, I'll beat you. And uh, he also says, that this, the mentality was, I will do whatever it takes to win, he added. I was totally willing to have the worst pain. I was totally willing to do whatever it takes to win the race. Hmm. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that because, you know, on a couple of levels, one, it's like, that's exactly what doing a startup is like. You have to be willing to push through the pain, the pain that, you know, stuff doesn't work, the pain that it might, you know, that's the self-doubt that it's a stupid idea, no one's going to care, the pain that nobody cares about it, or the people who do try it think it sucks. You have to be able to push through it and keep and persevere. I mean, that's what, and I was just thinking that's worth a blog post. I have the, my, my sort of tentative blog post is a startup is not about, is not a test of an idea, it's a test of will. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's I, interesting. I like that one. Is that is that hacker newsworthy? I think that's I think that's nice. Yeah. So that, so you're going to write a blog post about that? I think that's what I'm going to write. I'm going to write one uh, this weekend on it. So um, if I can get this the first one out, I'll try and get that one on Sunday. Um, so anyway, the and, and it was and it just so happens I read a um, an article by uh, what was it um, Paul Graham 
had a po- an, ar- an article today, and he says, what we look for in founders, you know what the first one was of the five? Determination. Yeah. And he said, that's it. And, you know, he's talking about how, and that's it. It's that, it's that determination. And one of my, f- my favorite, um, you know, because, okay, so people a lot of times like, okay, well, you know, you, you, you're like, I'm willing to push through the pain, but really you're trying to avoid the pain, right? I don't want, I don't want the pain. It's too, so, but I, but you think, okay, I'm going to try, I, I don't like pain, but I will, I will, um, you know, when it gets to that point, I'll, I'll just make sure that I push through it. And one of my f- favorite quotes is, is one from that my dad used to say when he was in the army, um, back in the, uh, I don't know, forties, when <laughs> the fifties or early, I guess he was during the Korean war. And he said, boot camp at the end of like a day where they go off some, you know, 15 mile hike and they've been up since five in the morning and they're just, everybody's completely just blown out they're done and inevitably somebody would say when it's too tough for everyone else it's just right for me (laughs) right so it's like you want to bring it to that level like i i want you to suffer because when you suffer and i suffer i'm going to win because you're going to give up i want to take it to that level i want to develop i want to develop a startup in a bad economy i want to go against a big competitor because that's when everybody else is going to run and hide Right. And that's why a lot of the best entrepreneurs is a lot of best companies seem to be developed when it's a it's a sort of there's a lot of headwinds in terms of the economic climate because it's not a lot of noise. There's not a lot of other because it's too it's easy money and everybody's jumping in. Everybody thinks you're going to get rich in a year and it's all bullshit. But when it's mm. like, you know, when things are seem really dire and it's a bad economy and everybody's like, oh, man, or is the is, the, is you know, am I going to go bankrupt because or am I going to be able to get a job? I'm going to pay. It's like that's when that's when there's a lot of pain. That's when it's scary to do anything. Cause you're like, oh, my God, if I if I don't have any, a, a job, I may not be able to get another job. Right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's like I want it. I want it to be at that level. I'm going to take you there with me because then you're going to. Well, it's up. like Patrick. Mc- I mean, it's also this this kind of tenacity as well of as well as determination. And that's the one thing I really picked up from the um, the last uh, interview with Patrick McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Just that you know, for the first year he made three hundred bucks. For the second year he made a thousand bucks, and for the third year he made like five or whatever. Like, and then he's, he's still stuck. It. He's still stuck to this thing. This crazy bingo card thing. Yeah, see, for like four years, it's like wow. Yeah, see, and I think that's a, that's even a little different argument. So, there's one is can you go through the pain, and the other is do you have the patience? Yeah, right. That's a slightly different, um, you know, psychological attribute. Is are you going to get bored? Like, you might be able to suffer a lot of pain and for a year year and a half, a lot of like people telling you it's a stupid idea, a lot of financial hardship, a lot of just long nights and weekends and doing nothing but working on your, uh, on your project. I mean, that, that's a lot of pain, but it's, but it's also, you could say, well, if you're only done for a year and a year and a half, that's not a whole lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. You might just get bored of your idea. Not so much that you can't take the pain, you just want to move on. And the other, so, so what Patrick did, and what I think you'll see from most of these startups is it was, um, they were committed. They were, they were, I'm going to make this thing happen. And I'm not just going to suffer, but I'm, going to, I'm willing to do this for years. And I think part of it is not just willing to suffer for years. It's willing to like, how can I make it sustainable? Like, how can I do this continuously for a long period of time and not give up? Like, how can I create a, a, a context where it's sustainable? So is that thinking, thinking about it differently? Like once again, when I when I said to Patrick McKenzie, "Are you passionate about um, bingo cards?" He said, "Well, no, I'm not passionate about bingo cards, but what I am passionate about is the fact that teachers are wasting hours and hours of time using rulers and and pens and paper 
drawing up bingo cards and my software means that they can do better things with their life so i'm passionate about helping them have a better life yeah and i i I don't and again i don't know if passion is the key uh, issue here i think the the issue is how can i fit this into my life so that i do it continuously it's kind of like this you know people say oh i want to lose weight or i want to say i'm going to start lifting weights i want to put on a bunch of muscle right well you're not going to do it if you go to the gym for like two months you're not you're not going to make much headway it's like how can i get myself to go to the gym four to six days a week every week for the next three years or, or indefinitely right because if you stop going you just you know you lose muscle you put on fat and it's then it just it goes your body goes to seed again so how can i make at the very least you can you can once you get in shape you can go less regularly and just kind of keep it up two to three days a week and you can sort of maintain but regardless you have to figure out how do i get to do this regularly whenever somebody who's new to working out well, well how do you you know go to the gym every day i'm like well first thing you want to do is just get your butt there every day or you know at least five six days a week you know how can you create a how can you create a context where going to the gym is not painful for you and it's something you can just fit in? Could you, is there a gym nearby that you like to go to? Is there a time of day that you can go to where you don't have like other conflicts constantly pushing it? Well, I can't go today because I got this other thing and I can't go tomorrow because it, that's not going to work, right? And so for me, the one thing I was thinking about App Ignite, like one thing that's making App Ignite sustainable for me is I don't do it full time. You know, I mean, there's part of me that would love to just crank on this thing, but the reality is is that. You know, I spend, you know, a couple, three, you know, a few hours a day on it, but then I'm, and I'm doing consulting work. So it's like, I'm not going anywhere. So it's like, if, if I get a competitor or something like that, it's like, well, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm going to be here next week and next month and next year. I'm not just going to give up because the money's going to run out. Now, would you, would you, I mean, if, if someone came out with something that was just incredibly similar to Epic Night and they were able to crank full time on it? Nah. I, you, I'm, I'm, then, then I'm like I'm gonna then then I'd be probably more challenged. It's kind of like when you you told, put a bit more put a bit more time into it. You know, you? yeah. When you talk about how competitive I am, that that yeah. kind of stuff gets me really fired up because I'm a competitor and I'm. You know, it's like when you were initially were telling me that you didn't think Epic Night was going to work for a variety of reasons. And I'm just like, you know, please tell me I can't do it. Please. <laughs> I'm going to so put this in your face. You know, that's that's the kind of blood starts getting rough in me. And then I get fired up. I fired up. So sometimes it's good for somebody to tell me I can't do something. I'm just like, please, that's all I need. That's all I need. Don't tell me, oh, Jay, that's totally going to work. You know, you're a great coder and it's a great idea. I'm sure it's I'm sure you're going to do great. I guess that's not going to work for me. Well, I think that I, I think that uh, with that in mind, I think every listener of the show should go to techzinglive.com <laughs> and tell Jason exactly why Night is going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to take You'll... everybody's name. Then I'm going to take everybody's name. I'm going to put it on a list. And when it does succeed, it's going to be in your face. <laughs> 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 anyway, so yeah. I think the coffee's worked this morning, Jason. I think it is. I'm I'm getting fired up. Yeah. Fired up. Okay. <laughs> In uh, fact, it's almost a bit too much. Okay, I'll dial it back a little bit. Um Okay, so you got another you got an idea? You got me in a uh topic? Yeah. Let's hear it. So um there was a there was a, a thing um a post a couple of weeks back. Some clients are evil and their work is toxic. Mm-hmm. Um fast, good, cheap. So uh, did you ever, um, ever read that post? No. Essentially what it is, it's about um, this, the, the, the author, um, I'm just going to bring up that author right now, uh, Hoss Gifford, mm-hmm. uh, basically talks about a meeting that he had with a potential client. So obviously he's, he builds, uh, he's like us, he's a contractor, right? And essentially that client is saying, look, I just want it fast. I want you to build it really fast. 
And I want you to build it really well. It's got to be really good. Oh, I did and read I want, that article. But yeah, go on. I want That's... to be really cheap, right? Right. And the article's just like, look, that doesn't work. You know, you can't have fast and good and cheap, right? And yeah. there's a reason why you can't have that. In my first job, there was a there was a sign on the wall that said, cheap, fast, and good, pick any two. Yeah, you know, exactly. You can't have all three. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, but it's also, it's also just like, but, you know, starting a relationship with that kind of client is bad news because, because what happens is the level of resentment that's going to build up is just going to be massive. I mean, you, this, this especially happens to you when you're first starting out, first doing consulting work and you'll take on these kind of projects because you really want to get something under the way. But then as you say, the, the power of gradualism, people will gradually take you for advantage more and more and more, right? It will. And if, if they're that kind of person, you know, and, and they will just keep on bringing stuff your way. And essentially it is a toxic and evil work relationship when it gets to that stage. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I, I think it's like any relationship, they're usually red flags early on that the right. person you're getting involved with is not someone you really should be getting involved with, whether it's a, you know, a romantic relationship or it's a business relationship or even a friendship. Sometimes people be throwing up red flags and you're just like, wow, you know, and, you know, early on what happens though is a lot of times you're so excited about the relationship. Like, so let's say you meet a girl, back, let's take it back to college or poor married, right? Or you meet some pretty girl and you're like, oh man, she's so pretty and she's so, yes. but then all of a sudden you start realizing there's some other problems, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like a lot of times, especially when you're young, you ignore the red flags, right? You're like, she's so pretty. You just can't ignore the red, you just, you just can't. Uh, Would you just kind of idealize it because you have your version of that person or that that relationship or that working relationship, and then there's the real world version. Yeah, and sometimes they're very very different. Yeah, like let's say that you're let's say you're dating some girl, right? And all of a sudden she's and she's and you're just she's so pretty and she's so cool, but all of a sudden she tells you like how she cheated on her ex boyfriend. Okay, <laughs> she's yeah. gonna cheat on you. Yeah, I got news for you. Run! You do not get as far away from that as you can. Or if she says, "Oh, you know." Uh, she was a roommate, but she just left and didn't pay her rent and just disappeared. And because she didn't like her old roommate, you're like, that's not how you do things, right? Right. That's like you have a conversation, you figure something out, but you don't disappear. And be, I mean, you'd be like, that's a kind of a that would be a huge red flag. But sometimes but, like, but hold on, hold on. So, like, a lot of times when you're like 20, 22, 25, you know, you haven't been in the relationships, you're still you, you're, you, you haven't been you haven't suffered enough pain of bad relationships to realize how bad they can be and how, how um, much of your life they can suck away, that you, just, that you don't uh, um, heed the red flags, and you just ignore them, and then you find yourself in a relationship, and six months down, you're like, oh my God, I saw these red flags, and I ignored them. But does that mean that you, you think that a leopard can't change its spots? That basically, if a girl has cheated on someone, then they're going to essentially cheat on someone else, and you just shouldn't be, or, or you don't think there's any hope for them? You don't think that they could ever uh, be it's a, rare. a different person? It's rare. I mean, that's a rationalization because you want, you, you're hoping, right? You're, you're trying to fit a, a, one of those square peg in a round hole kind of thing. You're like trying, okay, this girl, there's all these other things I really like about her, right? And there's things that I don't like about her, but I'm going to just hope that those things are going to change. Well, that's just a bad, that's a bad uh Man, that's not going to work most times. I mean, you're betting, you're really betting a long odds there that people are going to change. Because I don't think people change for the most part. And when they do, they change gradually. They might get a little wiser. They might learn some things. But people don't change like in six months or a year. Like, oh, hmm. you know, it's one thing if someone like in college, they were a certain way. And now you're talking to them when they're like 50, they might be a different person. 
But if someone like two years ago or a year ago, you know, screwed over a business partner, you don't go into business with that person. Okay, but look, just, just going back to the girl cheating analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that she cheat. I mean, do you, do you not think that there's exceptions to the rule? Or is, is this a black and white thing for you? I think, here's what I think. I, I think there are, are probably you know, situations where you can say someone cheated on someone and that was the only time they ever did it. Maybe, maybe that happened. Maybe, maybe that the people who cheat in a serious relationship or committed relationship, it's probably something 90% of the time, I'd probably say it's going to happen more than that one time. Right. But I don't want to play those odds. 90% are going against me. So in that case, it may not be 100%, but 90% is, uh, is across the threshold of, I don't want any part of that equation. That's not going, that's, that's, those odds don't work for me. You know, can you imagine getting a relationship and you've, you, you, you're crazy about some girl and then six months later she's cheating on you and you knew that she had cheated on something? You're like, I'm an idiot. It's interesting because I'm just thinking that, that you know, if, if everyone had that approach and just basically put their wall up and their guards up and didn't give anyone the benefit of doubt and didn't take risks, the world would basically, that, that's, that's essentially the oil that keeps the world moving. Of basically taking risks on people, and if you stop taking risks on people and, and started following that advice religiously, I think the world would get stuck. Well, here's the thing, right? You, you, what people do is they kind of um, they redeem themselves slowly over time. You don't get a blank slate right. in your next try, right? It's kind of like you know people who uh, who did poorly in high school grade wise, and they can't get into a good college or any good decent four year college, and then they go and they say, okay, well, you know, I was. You know, I was, I actually got, I was doing drugs or I was drinking too much or I was hanging out with my friends or I just was a screw off. Right. And now they, and now they're like five years have passed and like, okay, I need to get my life together. Right. And they apply right. to college and the college is kind of laughing their faces. Right. There's no shot. Right. So they go to community college and they take some classes and they start doing better. And then, and then eventually they can transfer into maybe a decent, you know, uh, state school or something. And then maybe they took two years of state school and they get straight A's and they could, they could actually apply to transfer to like a, you know, if they wanted to like a top tier institution, but they, they, you have to gradually work your way back you don't immediately give and credit like oh we're just going to pretend that you flunked out all these courses and got in trouble in your high school and we're just going to let you into stanford i'm sorry no negative because you know what there are other people who who um who got really good grades and did test scores and did all kind of cool stuff and wrote great essays and like well why would we take you right i mean it's just like you know because the best the best predictor of the future is usually the past <laughs> really i don't know what, nothing else you could base anything on and um i just think you know, when you see red flags and you go into a relationship, and I think in a business relationship, and um, when someone starts exhibiting red flags, like a client or a potential employer or an employee or a contractor, you know, and they're all kind of different flags depending on the context. I mean, the people could just be hard to deal with. They don't communicate well. They, they send emails that are antagonistic or condescending or patronizing or, or just, uh, just annoying. That's bad. Don't, you know, that's, don't, and don't ignore that. Just like say, all right. Uh, you know, you don't have to say the first time someone does anything slightly annoying or slightly that might be a red flag that I'm going to I'm going to just completely write them off. But if they do something else like that, ah, that's probably it. That's good for me. It's definitely been an issue for me in the past because, I mean, I I'm the kind of person who will give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, and um, I will work with someone. I will give them a longer period of time of them basically causing pain for me. And I think most people would, but I, I've started to, I've started to learn, I think so. Uh, but anyway, that's why I thought that was a good blog post. Well, here, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, here's another example. Here's one other thing I want to say about it. It's like, you know, you can go in, I, I mean, I tend to go in and I'm, I'm very open and I, lo- I love meeting new people and I love, you know, it's like we met Rob, right? That was great. Right. 
I, I, I've, we've, we've talked to Rob once in the podcast. I've interviewed him. You know, I have a very good, you know, uh, impression of Rob, right? I, I, to be honest, you, I, you've mentioned him so much. I think you've got a man crush on him. No, I'm just, I'm just giving an example. <laughs> <laughs> My man crush is reserved for you, Justin. Okay, you're right. <laughs> All right. So um, anyway, but the thing is that if, if like, let's say Rob, for instance, did one or two things that were like, well, that's kind of screwed up, you know? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just ignore it, right? I mean, even though I had a good, I, we had good interactions with him and I liked him, if all of a sudden he did one or two things, they were like, that's kind of sketchy or that's kind of like, you know, I would be like, yeah, I don't really have anything to do so with it. So you would stop, you'd stop being friends with Rob. You, you wouldn't talk to him anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, 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 you dial the relationship down, right? You take it down. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be black or white. You could scale it down, right? Like, uh, you know, you, all of a sudden now they've, they've done something that you're like, that's not like you scale up and you scale down, right? They, you have some good positive emails, then you have a good conversation. You meet with like, okay, I like this person. The trust is building. I think they're cool. I think they're interesting, whatever. But if all of a sudden they start doing something like, oh, they talk about how they screwed over a business partner or how they didn't do this or how they're, 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 they're not treating their customers well or whatever. You're just like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a bad, that's a red flag, man. I'm going to start, well, you know, notching things down. I'd have to see a lot of evidence in the other direction for me to, to reevaluate that. Right, and not that any of this is true of you, Rob. <laughs> I was just going to say, poor old Rob. I'm Rob, just, your friendship with Jason is about to come to an end because clearly you've really upset him. <laughs> okay, so moving uh, on. Moving on. Why did I use Rob as an example like that? Probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> uh, you know, I was listening to um, uh, an episode of Mixergy. Oh yeah, Warner's, and he interviewed the guy from TechStars. I think his name's David Cohen. Um, I'm not looking that up. I'm just from memory. But it was an interesting interview, by the way. If anyone who listens to Mexergy, um, it's it's good. It's worth listening to. But one of the things he he wrote a book um, where I think each chapter was written by another one of the founder a founder of one of the companies that they've backed. I think yeah, largely, and it's called Do More Faster, and uh, it looks like a really good book. So. Uh, I've not read it, so I can't recommend it as in I've read it, recommended, but I put it on your list. Check it out. Looks looks kind of cool. Mm. Um, cool. I, I, um, I started thinking, you know, one thing I was like, there's always people giving advice on startups, right? You should do this. You should do that. This is what works. This is what doesn't work. But you almost, we almost need like a diff on startup, startup diff or advice diff. Right, you know how you do like okay. a diff on files, like what's changed or what's different between these two files. It's like diffing Paul Graham with thirty-seven signals, or diffing Joel Spolsky with, um, you know, I, I, you know, whoever. Some, it's like it would be interesting because a lot of advice that you get from all these different people, everyone's like, oh yeah, that's totally true. Oh yeah, that's totally true. Then it's not compatible at all, you know. And yeah, because it's context specific, isn't it? Some of it's context specific, but some of it is just flat out, just completely different opinions. But they're not the same. There's, there's, there's. If you're trying to do both at the same time, there's going to be cognitive dissonance. And I almost feel like what you should, what needs to happen is there need to be some a diff on this stuff where you can go through and say, okay, here's what they say, here's what these other people say. Maybe weigh in the context of which advice applies in which in which case but also decide which way you you think i mean it may depend on the founder and may just have worked not just because one was business to was business to consumer consumer to consumer one was for funded or one was for bootstrapped but it also could be like well you know that worked in 2006 that ain't gonna work right yeah yeah you know that worked um you know because of these uh, because the kind of person you are you know so how would you do this diff is it just a mental thing or is it you actually thinking there's some tech 
technology that I don't you know. can dream I was thinking up. maybe it could be a series of blog posts, you know, called the, uh, you know, advice diffing, you know, and you could like go and do like a um, <laughs> cage match <laughs> between, okay, try and go and find all the advice. Or, oh, or, cage or, match is a good idea. You know, like 10 pieces of, you know, well-known advice from one camp and versus another and then kind of diff it and try and figure out, well, why is one, when in what cases would would that's a really good idea the, like the the startup advice cage match series yeah because it's just so much because i was kind of thinking like one thing i'd like to do for the blog you know <laughs> one thing sandy was because jo- i was telling her all my ideas last night for a blog she's like you know what just tweet this crap you know you're never going to write all this stuff you it's that, that is very true you should I, th- this is a this is going to be a boring episode because we're like totally agreeing with everything but I do, I do agree because honestly, you come up with so much stuff which you never freaking do. If you tweeted it, then at least it it wouldn't be going to waste the thought time. Yeah, I'm starting to think I need to get my tweet on. You do, you really do. Well, here's the thing, right? You know, <laughs> I've noticed that, like, you know, here's the big one of the big benefits of the of having a Twitter following. Okay, mm-hmm. is that if you post, a, if you write a blog post you can get a certain number of people to help you out and get some, um, you'll get additional people will be voting on it because they know who you are. Right. Like the guy, Ryan Wagoner was talking about yeah. that blog post and you're the same way, right? If we, if we post a, um, a texting like, Oh, you know, the Patrick McKenzie one, you know, we can get just, if you mention it on your, on Twitter, we can probably end up getting just enough to get it to the front page just to give it a chance. Isn't uh, that kind of cheating? But that's what everyone's doing. I mean, that's what happens. People met, I mean, people, okay, it's like this. It's like if Derek Sivers or, or Jason Cohen, if Jason Cohen um, puts something up, writes a blog post, and he has a ton of Twitter followers, and he'll mention it on a blog post, he'll say, oh, you know, I hear I just posted this. He doesn't even have, you don't even have to say vote it up, right? A, a, a huge number of those, a huge number of people, and maybe a small percentage of the overall readership, because he has like 17,000 blog readers, you know, maybe, you know, 30 of them or 50 of them are on uh, Hacker News at any given time, and they'll see it and they'll go, oh, yeah, it was good, right? Mm. Look it up. You don't have to say, hey, give me. Well, I know. think, yeah, because I think that's different to actually saying, you yeah. know, vote, vote this up on Hacker News. And I know that we did that, but I wonder if that's a bit naughty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's borderline probably, but, uh, you know, but at the very least, um, you know, just by having a Twitter following, which you can grow a Twitter following probably faster than you can blow, grow a blog readership, they kind of help each other. They're complementary, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. Well, you've got to, you've got to, it's like with anything, you've got to be consistent, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, one of the biggest ways to grow a following is to be consistent, whether it's putting out a podcast, whether it's writing a blog, whether it's uh, growing a Twitter following, just be consistent. And we've proven that with, with uh, the, the, the podcast, because we consistently put out two shows a week. Yeah. Most most weeks. And I've proven that with Twitter because I basically tweet six tweets a day, which are really good high quality links. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Does your Twitter following continue to grow? Yeah. It doesn't grow it's, it doesn't grow real fast. I mean it's the same as um texting. Like I I scrap, you know, I'm scrapping and fighting for each of the followers. How many percent I, well, how much percentage does it grow, say, a month, would you say? You have a guess on that? Um there's a, there is a website where you can find it out, and I've forgotten what that website is. Um, Twitter counter. And you can actually see Twitter counter. You can actually see a gro- Oh, is it Twitter counter? Check it out. Just Vincent. Ah, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, you're going up. I mean, you're like it's like eh, it's like a thirty degree angle. Ooh, it'll predict like how many followers you have in fifteen days. You can click on three monthly. 
in 30 days, yeah, in 30 days, 29 days, you're going to have 6,540. Do you have another 400 followers in 30 days? Yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm predicting 30 days that you have 6,540 6, followers. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. And below that, it says how many days until you have 12,000 followers? Well, at this pace, it's going to be. 60,000 followers, it'll be 13,395 days. It's going to be 1,395 days. You're going to have to ramp it up, dude. That's just not going to work. See, that's the problem with linear growth. You need to get exponential. Yeah. Linear growth is a slog. That means that people aren't saying, hey, you got to, people aren't working for you in your favor. You're picking them up one at a time. They're not, there's not, there's no exponential growth. You know, it's the difference between exponential and linear. Linear means that you're fighting for everything yourself. It's like, it's like when you make money. If you made money every week and you saved $100 and you just put it in a, in a safety deposit box, right? But if you put it into a bank account and earn interest, then it gets the exponential going. And that's the power of the exponential. And the exponential only works in startups and, and podcasts and blogs if people are telling other people about it, right? The more people you have, well, the more people they tell, as opposed to you just fighting for 10 new people every week or 100 new people every week or month or whatever it is. Well, if you go to Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Justin Vincent... And then you can see... No, no, Twitter.com. Oh, like, Twitter.com. I, I am listed 540 times. So that's... that. Essentially, if you're listed that many times, you're classed as an influencer. So You're an influencer. I'm doing the best I can. Jesus, give me a break. We just need to figure out how to ramp it to the next level. Take it up to the next level. Maybe your picture will help. I like your picture <laughs> in your honeycomb <laughs> background. Very nice. <laughs> Oh. Okay, so let's move. Oh, you know, I got, I got some, I got an idea. I was thinking about writing it as a blog post, but this might be too inflammatory. You know, this it's, is going to. I think this is going to be a trend where you just have idea after idea after idea for blog posts, which never get written. That might be true because I have like thirty of them written down. I have like, I have like twenty-five oh or thirty that I think are all like. You should potential. freaking just tweet like I just tweet idea for blog post. That's it. Just tweet it. That. Okay, so here's some. Here's 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 like Ruby is to PHP as San Francisco is to LA. Huh. Now, the reason I say that is that... That's interesting. If you go to San Francisco, people in San Francisco is like, what do you think of LA? Like, oh, I hate LA. Everything's so fake down there and traffic, you know. It's real up here in San Francisco. You know, that kind of thing. Like, people in San Francisco yeah. look down on... They look down on LA. No, they really do. I've met, they do. I've, I've met them. I mean, that's probably a generalization, but the ones that no. I've met <laughs> think that LA, LA people are dicks. You are in San Francisco because you don't like LA. You're probably right. right. I mean, it's like you know they they like they like New York. They have a they have a respect for New York, but they disrespect L.A. People in L.A. like San Francisco. <laughs> They're not even aware that the people in San Francisco don't like them, right? Right. Like you like San Francisco? Oh yeah, I love going up there. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. But it's more like a kind of uh, like a big bro- like a, when you don't like like a big brother or a friend who's more successful than you or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they, because they don't even know. I mean, L.A. is huge. L.A. is not even worried about San Francisco, but it likes San Francisco. It has no problem yeah. with it. I got no beef. But San Francisco's like, I, it's kind of like snotty about <laughs> that, LA. So that's what PHP and Ruby are like. Yeah, well, the Ruby is like, if, if you ever go into blogs, like, oh, I Ruby all the time. Oh, it's PHP. Oh, it's like, you know, if you're not using Ruby, I mean, you use PHP, you're clearly not a real developer. You clearly don't care about your tools, which means you're not a true craftsman. You're not a true... You're not a true, you know, developer and, you know, oh, I, I slugged it out and suffered in PHP, but now I'm in the land of Ruby. It's just hilarious. I mean, it's like, with people in PHP, if you ask about Ruby, they're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to try it out one of these days. Yeah, it looks kind of neat. 
But people Ruby, it's like it's like they define it's like defines itself almost. But what happens in its, to those people who were PHP and then became Ruby? Well, they just they kick it away. They're like, oh, I don't. I, I they for the most part. I feel like the people who are who are now fully you know um, full time like say Rails developers, they're just like PHP is just crap, and I wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't take a job that does it, and I think anyone who does it is not you know firing on all cylinders and any company that does it is not serious about technology and why would i want to work for me? it's just really I, I see it over and over and over again whereas it's just it's just like the san francisco view of la you know they're just like oh you know i used to live in la and oh i could never live there oh it's terrible quality of life you know that's interesting i think that's a good analogy we're in php people are like i mean yes yeah, some of the people don't look at it like oh it sounds cool man yeah i haven't had a chance to look at it i've been thinking about it, it looks cool <laughs> It's the same way. Well, it's this classic thing. It's like Windows and Mac. Right. It's it's sort of like being aligned to a certain level of kind of nerdy coolness. Nerdy coolness is essentially taking over the world. Yeah. Well, I think it might just be our corner of the world. But I was going to say, I'm a PHP coder in L.A. (laughs) So I feel a lot of hate coming my way. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. Particularly PHP coders in San Francisco. (laughs) Not loving the PHP coding in L.A. Not not much at all, but <laughs> <laughs> but I could say uh, PHP is just one of many languages I coded. So you know C plus plus JavaScript C sharp etc. So it's not like I am I define myself as a PHP coder. It's just something I use to write web apps. But I just think it's kind of funny. Whereas Python, I don't really know Python versus that's a whole different story. But I just think it's very it's a very clear contrast between sort of the perspective, or at least the, the comparison of Ruby to PHP and San Francisco to LA. So do you think that's worth mm-hmm. of a blog post, or do you think that's going to just get flamed? It's I think just- that'll get flamed to, to high heaven. <laughs> I even think that if anyone <laughs> listens to that in the show, they're gonna, it's going to freak them out. Because it really is a religious argument, isn't it? Well, I'm not talking about like which is better. I'm not even saying that. No, I know, I know. Like, I know. You, you're, you're just basically, it's like a meta discussion, right? About it. I mean, I got no problem with Rails. I'm just saying they have a problem with me. <laughs> or they have, they a, have problem a problem with, with you. Me. They have a problem with you. They have a problem with anybody who codes in PHP. They don't have any respect. No I don't sp- know. I, th- I do think that, that you, that's like, uh, okay, just to be clear, I'm not saying this, Jason. <laughs> <saying this>, right? <laughs> you totally agree, too. You know, first of all, I get news for you. Justin totally agrees. And he <laughs> loves to receive email from listeners, especially angry email. So any, anything that you were going to say, Send it to podcast at textinglive.com. Just send it straight to Justin. He'd, he'd love right. to hear, hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Uh, I think one more topic and then we can wrap up. All right, one more topic. Um, let's see, what's a good one? Um, I guess we already covered a BAM's shaving your face. Got that in. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, 17 mutable suggestions for naming a startup. You want to do that one? Yeah. That sound good to you? Sound good. All right. So this is on uh this is over on onstartups.com. Um Darmesh, I think that's his site. So what's interesting is is you know the the point the the, the sort of preamble he says look you know there are plenty of examples of startups that have had crap names, crap domain names have still still worked, right? So you can't say if you have a bad name you're not going to be successful. Well, look at texting. Well, We've got the worst name on the planet. Exactly. But it's probably not working for us. You know, I mean, it's probably no. not helping us. You know, I mean, it's, it's helping like, us in Google searches. Like, I, be, look, let's say we called ourselves the. 
right? Yeah. Then that then we'd have really screwed ourselves over because we wouldn't ever come up in a Google search. So having it at least it's a, it's a unique name. Yeah, but you know, there's some percentage of people I send an email to, and they're like, "Texting? That's lame." No. How do you know? <laughs> I'm just guessing. You're just guessing. You literally don't have any idea. Well, no. I mean, it's just like, well, I mean, you know, what's a cool domain name or what's a cool design? I mean, it's all subjective. I mean, you can't really prove it. It's hard to prove, I guess, unless you do. I guess you could do an A-B test or some kind. But I'm just saying, I don't think it works in our favor. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If you do A-B testing, the only thing you find is the lowest common denominator. So basically, it is the most bland, uninteresting, uncool thing of whatever it is. Because more people can agree on bland than they can on something that makes any kind of statement whatsoever. That's probably true. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think texting. Well, whatever. I mean, um, so anyway, keep it, on talking call, about this it, article. He calls it branding debt, right? You, right. you know, you he's like you want to sort of like try and remove any unnecessary friction to your growth. Right, like why? Why not? Why not just stack the deck in your favor? Come up with a great domain name or great name if you can. I mean, take a little extra time. Don't obsess over it, but don't pick the first thing that comes to your mind. I mean, you know, spend some time thinking about it, trying different possibilities, and which I agree with. So now, here are his seventeen mutable suggestions. So let's go through a couple of them. Make sure it's legal. <laughs> That's probably a good one to start with, right? Like, I don't think you can do... Um, okay, hint at what you do. And essentially, like, you can do, a, like, a synthetic um, name, like Wufu or Quora. Um, although Quora is not... Is, like you said, a made-up name. Quora is a made-up name, but it does kind of hint at what you do, because Quora like a quorum, you know? Do you know what Quora is? Do you ever go there? No. How the hell does Wufu hint at the form builder? No, Wufu doesn't. Wufu is a purely made up. Like it was, um, they they merged the names. Their two favorite bands, um, the uh, Wu Tang Clue uh, Clan, Wu Tang Clan, and and Foo Fighters, right? right. And Quora, to me, it sort of hints at sort of a quorum, right? You're getting uh, people together for like. and, and I'm sure it, it maybe has a Latin root to it, like Quora, which is like a, a group questioning or something like that, group discussion. Quora itself is at least not an English word. Um, but anyway, so things like Backupify, Kissmetrics are sort of what they call names that hint. And I like that. That's what I do with Ignite, right? It kind of hints. It doesn't say appbuilder.com. You know, it's kind of igniting it, igniting your app, helping you get it something going. Make it easy to remember. That's a good one. Do you ever... Do you ever test that out? Like, I remember there was a um, reading about the uh, the website um, Video Egg. Do you ever yeah. hear of them? And I, he, the guy was interviewed. This was like probably three or four years ago, or maybe longer. And he's talking about how they came up with a list of like two hundred potential names. And they went down the list, and then he, you know, with his wife, he said, "I think we were driving in the car." And then he turned around and said, "Well, which ones do you like?" Which one? She's like, "Oh." She's like, I remember Video Egg. <laughs> that was the <laughs> only one. And she's like, it sounds kind of like, you know, you're laying an egg, you're creating something. I mean, it sounds kind of stupid. I think, I don't like the name Video Egg, but it sticks in your head because it's kind of stupid. Yeah. You know, that kind of works. Things that are just kind of, they're almost irritating in a way. And, and, um, because, and that, that's why it'll stick in your head. So, which is good. Make it easy to remember. Make it unambiguous when spoken. And that's the only thing, that's one thing an Epic Night may, have, may not have working for, because you thought it was Epic Night, or somebody thought it was Epic Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, but basically, as people say it, they can say it wrong. Yeah, they can say Epic Night. Make it unambiguous in Google. 
many of the tricks of the trade you'll, you'll use to monitor conversations mentioned at a pumpkin. This is the texting thing. Yeah, texting because we have um, there's a there's a Indian technology site called TechZing.com, and we have TechZingLive.com, right? Yeah. So that was not the best choice for us. Start early in the alphabet. Huh. Start early in the alphabet. In the pre-Google world, this was done so that you'd show up earlier in a list of things that are often sorted alphabetically, like when you win an award. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, or if you want to be in the first page of a directory. The .com has to be gettable. By gettable, I mean that it's either not registered yet or it is available for purchase at a price you're willing to pay. Don't play tricks with domain names either, like including hyphens. Also, stay away from clever domain names like delicious. The reason is simple. It's not natural for people to type domains that way. Da, da, da. Yeah, that's probably true. Delicious worked in spite of the, the name. Well, but I've, I've just, I mean, for my new secret startup, uh, I think I've got a great domain name for it, but it's not a .com. No, I think, well, I've mentioned that. I just, I just said don't use those .biz names that you keep using and yeah. get you know the it seems to be in right now and being in is always part of the equation and uh you know whether it's the design or the logo or the domain name like the dot ly's and you know as an example yeah, for example that that one site pagely mm-hmm. p-a-g-e dot l-i is doing real well the one where you can basically make a newspaper out of twitter yeah that's going yeah. mega i mean in a couple years it may it may turn out that when all the scamster sites and crappy in the third rate Bush league, you know, um, SEO, uh, black hat SEO sites, everyone starts doing stuff like that. Then it'll just become, it won't work anymore. It's like everything, everything starts out cool until everybody starts doing it. And then it's not cool anymore. Right. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. As soon as a club becomes popular and people know about it, it is not cool anymore. It's moved beyond. If you listen to music that's on the radio, you're not cool, right? <laughs> By definition, it's like you have to be listening to some obscure band that no one's heard of, and it's like you have to get these get the music from some strange place, right? Um, the the face. That said, you're a big fan of Britney Spears, right? Uh, she's or, all right. I mean, I <laughs> like her as much as I like Metallica. <laughs> Uh, okay, the the Facebook page should be available. That's probably good. so. The Twitter handle and the Facebook page page. That's 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 a good point. You know, I haven't gotten a Facebook page for um, App Ignite. I guess I should do that, right? Yeah, because App Ignite is just the kind of app that people want to have a big old social network chinwag about. Are you making fun of me? Yeah. Okay, just making clear, make sure I understood where you were going with that. <laughs> you got got to follow up, or is that you just gonna leave it there? <laughs> well, I mean, look seriously. I mean, like App Ignite is it's it's a it's like an application builder, right? So uh, it's not like something where people are gonna, ha- you know, have weekly meetups about and and get you know get drunk and 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 all. Well, they do tr- about WordPress for crying out loud. Do they? Hell yeah, they have WordPress camp, like WordCamp. Okay, well, that's interesting. It's very interesting yeah. you said that because WordPress is open source. And this is, this is something that I think is going to come up, come up um, a few times with App Ignite. Because when people realize that essentially what they're doing is they're building software using App Ignite, it's going to be like, well, how come this isn't an open source tool? How come this isn't open source and I can completely get con- control of the code? Well, why, yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, well, first of all, like Woofoo isn't free. We formed a builder. Yeah, but that's different. But that's different because with Wufu, you're not building an entire application. You basically mm-hmm. you're not building software with Wufu. You're just building a form. App Ignite, you're building an entire piece of software. Okay, that's a reasonable point. Okay, what about this? I mean, well, I've I've talked I've thought about the idea of allowing people to export, mm-hmm. you know, their uh, site or their uh, all the code and everything. But 
you know, and, and, and maybe that would be okay because what will happen is software, first of all, one thing we know about software, it's never done, right? Mm-hmm. It's never done. You're never done working on it. So, you know, you may think it's done and then you come back like a week later, or a month later, and you're like, oh man, we got to add this new stuff, right? So it would be way cheaper to maintain an account on AppIgnite to, to just be able to log in, make some new changes, and then export a new version of it than it would be to hire, hire a coder and say, oh, we already exported it and we discontinued our account on AppIgnite. So we're going to pay some guy 50 or 100 bucks an hour to go in and, 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 and add some code that we could have just generated in 30 seconds, <laughs> mm. right? So in a sense, it may make more sense to have like a maintenance account or something on AppIgnite, even if you've long since exported the account. This I, I remember telling uh, Peldy about MASH API and, and explaining the entire concept to him. And MASH API is pretty similar to AppIgnite, but the only difference is, is that it doesn't, it, it, it's a, a back-end framework rather than a front-end well, framework. Well, it's back-end it's, and it's pre-built stuff. It's it only back- pre-built application patterns. Pre- pre-built application patterns back-end, yeah. And he said... Um, the thing about he the, he went through down the open source route, and he said the thing is, if you really want to make that a successful business, if you can make that open source and then have a good revenue model, that that will be an extremely safe business, much safer than um, uh, just going for like a closed source because because he thinks developers are kind of funny people, like developers don't really like closed source code in 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 the large part, in the main part. So that's potentially something for you to have a think about. But I mean, I know that yours is different because it's not like you're handing out a library or something like that. It is a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I could see how I could potentially do that. I mean, there's all things I have to experiment with. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's, it all depends, right? It all depends on how you execute it. I mean, everything's different. I mean, Pelly's obviously a smart guy and he knows some things, but it doesn't mean that he's absolutely right about that and depends on how it's done. You know, and I don't even know how I want to do it. I mean, maybe I'll allow people to export sites. Uh, maybe I'll, they'll have to have a certain level of account to create a site and export it. Maybe I'll allow them to free. It just depends. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, work my butt off this thing for years and then um, undermine the entire pricing model to, by people just allow them to build it for free and export it and be like, see ya. F you. Well, let's say, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, thanks for the, thanks. That was great. That was a great 20 minutes. Awesome. We're out of here. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not F you. I right? like the way F you say you. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, with all that effort, I think um, I'm, I'm just wondering whether AppIgnite is headed towards really premium usage. So um, it's something that people are going to spend, you know, thousands on rather than fifties on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I'm just, just wondering. Yeah, well, it could be. I, you know, I don't know the answer to those questions. Right. At all. I mean, that's Did you get it out there? Yeah. So start with an uppercase letter. Yeah. Okay. If you're good enough, the Google, Amazon, and a thousand other really successful startups, it's good enough for you. You should start with, you should, sure, starting with a lowercase letter is cute. It might demonstrate some humility, but 90% of the people are using it, going to spell it wrong, and you're going to spend too many cycles worrying about training them. Yeah, that's stupid. Don't name your, the, your company after yourself. <laughs> Why? Just, I don't know. It says, yes, I know it's tempting because it's so easy. And you may even think, hey, customers should know who they're doing business with, but, uh, but I think when customers hear something like Dharma Shah Enterprises, granted your name is probably not as odd as mine, it doesn't make them immediately think, wow, that must be an awfully cool, successful, stable company. Yeah, but what about JV Multimedia? Well, first of all, uh, you know, multimedia, is, it, it harkens back to like 1995. Well, that's when the domain was invented. <laughs> I think JV Multimedia is. I mean, it may be coming retro at this point. <laughs> it's going to I mean, go through it's, a it's cycle gone, of cool and then uncool and then cool. Yeah, the, it may be entering like proto-retro. How about that? I like that. Proto-retro. It's not full retro. It's proto-retro. So maybe retro in like five years from now. 
So maybe hold on to it a little longer. I don't know. But right now, it's still kind of lame. <laughs> don't use an acronym. Okay. Have a story. You have people talking about that. Like, why, why did you pick X for your name? Like, why, you know, everything's talking about you need to have a story. It's people like stories, right? Like, you're pitching to TechCrunch. Have a story. If you're talking to bloggers, have a story. You know, communicate with your customers. Have a story. I guess people don't just like just flat-out facts. Facts are boring. People want a story. Yeah. Like, Justin, tell me a story. Well, stories are incredibly important. Stories and um, metaphors. In fact, uh, metaphors, I think, um, is like one of the most powerful things because it really helps people understand something. Like my Ruby PHP yeah, metaphor? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, pay attention to character sequences in multi-words. Huh, that's one. This one's a bit subtle, but if you have a name that is two words stuck together, then be mindful what character ends the first word and what starts the second. I'd stay away from names where both of these letters are the same. Example, if your company name is something like Better Reading, it's suboptimal because better ends with an R and da 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 Y. Okay. Mm-hmm. Normally that's okay, but when you type it out as a URL, people will often see Better Reading, which is not terrible, but does cause the brain to pause for a microsecond because it feels a tad unnatural. Yeah. That's interesting. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the widely popular example of unfortunate character sequences, expertsexchange.com. Right. Cap- properly, the name is just fine, Experts Exchange, oh, which is what the site owner's intended, but it turns out that this can be confused with expert sex change, yeah, expert <laughs> which sex. is not what's intended, <laughs> expert sex. That payoff was worth me reading through the entire paragraph. <laughs> any website with happiness in it, in, in the name, also has penis in it, so that's no good. Right. Seek timeless instead of trendy. It seems. Oh, here we go. Based on what you said, okay. It seems that every generation of startups has their own trendy approach to names. Examples are the dropping vowels thing, like Flickr, the breaking yeah. up words, delicious, or the newly fashionable .ly names. I suggest that names that don't necessarily indicate when you started are a good thing. On the on the off chance that your company outlives a particular fad or trend, pick a name that is timeless. One one that people will see ten years from now and not think, hey. They're one of those companies. Well, you know what? It reminds me of like the haircuts people have with that kind of faux hawk. I think they're going to be really regret that in about five years from now. You know the, what th- I mean? the thing is that 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 thing about the dot late, the dot li, and that are you going to ignore my faux hawk comment completely? Um, you know what the faux hawk is? I know what the faux hawk is, but I don't know why the comment means anything. Well, don't you think? I mean, it's such a strange thing that it's going to look weird in like ten years. It's like in the eighties where people were really skinny. Tops. You don't have to keep it. Or the parachute pants. Oh, you're saying you're saying that basically in ten years' time we'll look back and think faux hawks look strange. Yeah, you're gonna be ah, you look like an idiot. <laughs> people <laughs> have like the 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 like people go to the extra length to make their hair look really messy. Right. You know, they kind of fake. I mean, yeah, it looks it might maybe for a while it's like this really cool thing, but it's like whenever you get really trendy, you look back on photos and you look like an ass. Like people look pictures of people like from the seventies when they had like the long, like feathered hair or <laughs> yeah. or the eighties haircut was like really short in the back and really long in the front. You just look, you end up looking like an ass. It's like, stay classic, and you'll look fine <laughs> throughout time. But that thing, um, that thing about the dot .li, I'm not sure I agree with that, because like, it's not like all of a sudden there's going to be more dot .coms available, right? As time goes, I mean, the thing is, because the, the dot .com is a finite resource, so people will always need to branch out. So all that will happen is the dot .li will become a standard. It won't really seem like a fashion. It's just, it's a new domain name that lots of people will start using. And then there'll be the .li, there'll be the .com, you know. 
Okay, so that's an interesting thing. That's interesting. Okay, so in one sense, you could say that trends are is it a tr- if it's something is trendy or was a fad that means it came in and it was sort of like a dead end like you know they were like evolutionary dead ends yeah like you'll see you know some species started to evolve something and then something in their environment changed to the point that they that that evolutionary trend was given up on but you can still see remnants of it and you might want to say that you might you could probably say the same thing about trends and things like fashion and music and art and software or anything is that when you're betting, like you're making a, you're, when you when you sort of follow some trend, you're betting that it's actually going to be the, along the the main path, the main thrust of change and evolution, and not be a dead end in and of itself. Like the skinny tie of the '80s was a dead end; <laughs> it didn't go forward, right? Feathered hair from the '70s, dead end. That stopped right there. People pulled back. They, no, you know, it's come back. Hair. That's come back. Like, yeah, you know, fact- people are, do retro, you know. Well, you know, you get these little retro things going on, which is sort of like a hipsterism, like I'm going to be so uncool that I'm cool, you know? I mean, we were, we were watching, I think we were watching some, um, I think we were watching ESPN Sports Center the other night, Sandy and I, and she, and she saw one of these, one of the uh, female announcers had like feathered hair, and she's like, oh my God. She's like, don't tell me that's coming back in. <laughs> she's like, I don't have time to do that in the morning. <laughs> she's like, oh no, <laughs> that's not going to be good. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it does come back. So I don't know. L-wise, you know, the question is... L-I. You, L-I? L-I and dot L-Y. I mean, it falls in the same category, yeah. right? The, the foreign domain name, top-level domain or something. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. So, is it going to stay in it the... It also ma- depends on the space. Because, look, I mean, d- the, thing, the reason why Delicious can work and the reason, you know, um, the reason why Delicious can work is because, essentially, it's, it's aimed at kind of hackery, kind of people... If, if just people who are in the know about tech. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Amazon.com is aimed at everyone. So it's kind of two different things. So I, th- I think that like if, if you're starting up uh, something that's specific for developers, I really don't think it matters. You know, I think you're right for, uh, you know, actually for this reason. You know, the whole you know, you know, series of commercials, life moves fast. Right. It's like that. Life moves fast and it's moving faster. Yeah. It's like, you know, they did a whole like, concern about the singularity. Like, like technology is changing so fast. You watch Hacker News and you're just like, damn. It's like something comes out and then some improvement comes on that and then someone replaces it. It's just happening so fast. It's hard to figure out, like, you know, where should I put a foot on this thing? Because I feel like if I, if I, wherever I step on, I'm going to be using the wrong technology or following the wrong trend. You know, it's just going to fall off the page, just like on Hacker News yeah. on the new page. You put some on, you're off the page in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's the same thing with technology. It's the same thing with probably business ideas, and with things continuing to accelerate, which they are, because it's just sort of the nature of te- of compounding technology, right? Technology begets technology, which begets more powerful technology. So, and the same thing's happening. And technology plays playing into businesses. People can build businesses cheaper and faster than they ever could before, which means in six months it's even faster, and then in three years it's even faster. I mean, look what I'm trying to do with App Ignite, right? I'm trying to do to Rails what Rails did to PHP. Mm-hmm. Revenge, baby! <laughs> <laughs> like, it used to take you three months to yeah, build a site. You, you can do it three you weeks. Can't and I can't use that simile because... Once again, you can only use that simile if you're creating something that's open source and available for free. Well, like I said, you know, I, if you could give away, if I, if I let people export it, then, you know, there might be something to it. We'll see. But regardless, the point is, right, people are building tools to make, accelerate things, right? Yeah. Which means things come in. And we saw how fast, how long did it take Microsoft to become a multi-billion dollar company and set all kind of records, right? And then Google totally blew that away, right? And, and then, then Facebook blew away Google, and then Groupon blew away Facebook in terms of how fast they reached the billion-dollar valuation. Yeah. 
right? And that's because of technology. It's because of the web. It's because of, you know, um, iPhones and things of that nature. And so with things continuing to accelerate, which means your business, you know, we talk about sustaining on a business, but the reality is it's going to happen fast. So, and all you really need to do is get to critical mass while the trend is still hot, right? I mean, so like your .ly, you know, once you, once you reach a certain level of success, it doesn't matter what it's called anymore. Nobody cares. That's right. Yeah, that's what I think. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody cares. News.ycombinator.com for Hacker News. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my domain. That's terrible. What is Y Combinator? It's a subdomain on a domain? Why can't you get hackernews.com? Well, we're just gonna call, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It got a certain number of success based on it was able to leverage its own, you know, sort of tribe and was able to get to the, a certain level of success. And, you know, anyway, there's a million examples of that. But all you need to do is it something that's cool enough so that the early adopters that you want to bring into it will give it a shot. And once you reach critical mass, it, it, it don't matter no more. And with that, I think we should wrap up this show. We'd just like to ask you very quickly, if you could write a blog post about texting, that would be much appreciated. Or if you could give us a review in iTunes, that'd be fantastic. All right. And I got one last thing to say. No. Get that monkey! (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's a wrap. We're out. Uh, I don't know, energetic as I should be. Because I'm still waking up and I haven't had my coffee and I'm like still feeling tired. Just quit being a little bitch. <laughs> Lessons from Justin Vincent. <laughs> Rule run. Quit being a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs>